right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Connor and Coverage. We do this every Tuesday night, talking the latest in Georgia football news, updates, takes, recruiting, really whatever you want to talk about as far as it pertains to the Georgia athletics program. But as always, we really focus on the Georgia football program. Most I will note, Georgia does have their first basketball game tonight against Florida International. They are up at halftime. Last I checked that there. So Georgia basketball is underway, but we are right in the thick of it in terms of football season right now. So that is what we are going to primarily focus on tonight. Georgia travels to Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend to take on the Tennessee Volunteers in, in Neyland Stadium. That is a 3.30 kickoff. It'll be an interesting game. We're going to dive into it uh, a little bit here off the top and why I, I actually kind of think this game might not be as close as so many people think and why I actually think Georgia sort of relishes the perceived challenge that this game could potentially be for this team. And so we'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, we asked Kirby Smart, you know, obviously the quarterback situation is what it is at this point, but we did get, I, I think, some interesting updates this week on George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock as far as their availability for this Saturday. I don't expect to see them, but it, it, Kirby did have some interesting things to sort of say about them. And I think reading the green here a little bit, um, I, I'm not so confident we're going to see George Pickens at all this season, just sort of given the timeline of events and things and, and what Kirby had to say. So we'll parse through that. And then we'll touch a little bit on the college football playoff rankings before opening it up to your questions. Obviously those are coming out at nine o'clock tonight after the Kansas Michigan state game. So if you were listening to this as a podcast version, these are to be out, but they're largely the takes I have, they're largely going to be centered around sort of the rest of college football, what we saw this past weekend and sort of where things stand as a preview. Because I, I think we know what the top five, is going to be again this is before it has actually come out but georgia's still going to be number one alabama will be two oregon will move up to three uh ohio state will be your new number four and cincinnati will be your number five after michigan state lost last week however i think oklahoma is going to bump up to six or oklahoma and michigan are going to move up and i think if oklahoma beats baylor this weekend i think you're going to see oklahoma jump both cincinnati and michigan just based on the unbeaten record and the fact that the baylor win would be the first win of significance for oklahoma on their schedule so far this season so that is sort of something to watch as well though michigan does play penn state this week and that would be i think another good victory for that michigan program there so We'll touch on that. We'll touch on receivers. Obviously, we'll take whatever questions you guys have uh, tonight. Obviously, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff you guys want to know. There's recruiting updates. We can touch on that a little bit. Julian Humphrey, four-star cornerback, uh, former Florida commit, is uh, set to announce on Friday. So we should uh, learn some interesting things there from what uh, you know his, his decision might be. It looks like he is trending Georgia's way which would be another top 100 play in the class, and it comes at the expense of Florida. I'm sure there will be questions about Florida and where things go there because that program looks like it has quit. And, and really at this point, you know, I, I'm not sure we're going to get into this tonight, but on, on Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen no longer controls sort of his own fate. Uh, it is in the hands of the Florida players uh, as far as whether or not he is going to be employed by the University of Florida next year. Uh, they have to win their final three games and have to have a respectable showing in their bowl game. Otherwise, uh, Dan Mullen may not be long for Gainesville, especially after what we saw last week. So without further ado, we will open it up with our first subject of the night here. And it's Georgia-Tennessee. This game, Georgia is a 20-point favorite, but in listening to national media, you know, Brandon Adams on Dog Nation Daily, fan chatter, there seems to be some real concern with this Tennessee game in a way that we haven't really seen in a while, even more so than the Florida game, the Kentucky and Arkansas game, which were top 10 uh, games in terms of rankings. I think with the way this Tennessee offense is perceived, 
There's a lot of people out there that are really worried about what this team might be able to do this Georgia defense. To that point, it is the highest scoring offense that Georgia has seen this season, 38.2 points per game. Georgia just above that at 38.4. Tennessee third in the SEC in points per game. And we've seen they were able to hang around for a half against Florida. They were able to hang around for a half against Alabama. And while they don't have the depth to make these games four quarters long, you did see last week them earn an impressive victory there against Kentucky up there in Lexington. And so perfect sort of storm, so to speak. It's an offense where and you hear Kirby Smart sort of talk about it. It's a very unique offense in what they do. You've heard the comparison to Georgia Tech, obviously not in terms of what they do, but the speed at which they play with is so unique that it's really difficult to simulate there. And so I think that, you know, along with the explosive plays, this Tennessee team is able to hit large part because of that speed. It sets up this idea that this Tennessee team might be positioned to give Georgia a game, especially when you factor in the Neyland Stadium crowd and the environment that figures to be out there. But I'm actually going to zag the other way on this. I think this is another game Georgia can win comfortably. For one, this Tennessee defense is is not that good and not special. And I think regardless of who your quarterback is, whether it's be Stetson Bennett or JT Daniel, is going to have success moving the ball, especially now that Jermaine Burton and Arian Smith are back. And two, obviously defensively, you know, we're going to hear and continue to hear about this Tennessee offense and how fast they play. But as Kirby Smart revealed tonight, Georgia's been trying to prepare for this and get ready for this in the way that this Tennessee offense is played. And Georgia does have some experience against this. When Josh Heupel was the OC at Missouri, uh, Georgia had sort of seen the offense that he had employed there. And granted, Missouri did score some points in those games, although not enough to win as Kirby Smart has still never lost to Missouri there. But so Kirby Smart was sort of asked tonight in terms of preparing for that offense and gave, I think, an interesting nugget here about how he has sort of gone about preparing his team for this Tennessee game. They've known they're going to have it for a while. And actually with the schedule change with Tennessee, usually being an early October game and Auburn or November game, those games have flipped now with the way things are going. I actually thought Kirby had some interesting comments to make about how they went about preparing for this and actually using the bye week, which was prior to the Florida game to sort of simulate what Tennessee might be able to do. He had sort of vaguely mentioned it before that they use that bye week to prepare not just for Florida, but other future opponents. And I think Tennessee pretty clearly was one of those opponents based off what here Kirby Smart had to say about that. Uh, three to four weeks. Um, we've taken periods and worked really hard anticipating this coming kind of like you do when you have triple options. So we work periods to uh, practice that, um, to work on our substitution patterns so that we can uh, sub our players. And um, you know, that's something that, that we constantly do. You know, we did in the off week. We've done a couple of periods each and every week to make sure that uh, we're prepared for it. But like I said on uh, Monday, there's nothing you can really do to prepare for that kind of pace of play. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to simulate uh, in terms of your practice. So – um, a lot of it is uh, knowledge, understanding it, and uh, we want our guys to be able to do that. We want our guys to be able to play fast and uh, execute. So, yeah, you hear Kirby Smart touch on it there and, and sort of say, you know, it's obviously not something you can prepare for, but we've also been preparing for this, trying to get ready for it and sort of show what it can be going forward. And so I, I think the other thing to consider in this and is, and I'll play you a clip here, is it transitions into what I think our second topic of tonight is going to be, the Georgia wide receiver position has been getting healthier. Obviously, you see Jermaine Burton and Arian Smith and the impact that they had last week for this Georgia receiver room. But we also learned that Dominic Blayock is playing a little bit more scout team right now. And while he's not healthy enough to play, he's still helping out there and giving this team a look. George Pickens, sort of somewhat similarly, though not at the repetition level 
that Dominic Blaylock is helping with, giving this Georgia defense more to look at. And, you know, for as much as Tennessee is able to score, even with the injuries that they have, I'm not sure they're going to see receivers as good as Dominic Blaylock or George Pickens on Saturday. And so that wide receiver position, getting better and improving and getting healthier, I think is actually really going to prepare this Georgia offense or this Georgia defense rather for what they're going to see on Saturday in terms of pace, in terms of setting out wide instead of the weirdness that comes with this Tennessee team. And you heard Kirby smart talk about scout team a little bit there. He actually followed up a little bit more later on in his press conference tonight about how specifically that wide receiver position is helping this Georgia defense get ready for Saturday. Um, in terms of how we get the scout team to run it, we, you know, we, we're very fortunate that we have an abundance of scouts. Uh, this week, we've had a tremendous look between being a little healthier at wide out. You know, Jackson's gone over there. Dom's gone over there. George is taking some reps. All of a sudden, that lineup at wide out has looked a little better from a standpoint of competitive reps, um, where before we didn't have many guys that could give us a look uh, at receiver because we were so down. But we've had the scout team preparing for this for weeks. Um, we've done a lot of work to get them ready for this. And you know, very similar to when you do a triple option, you better have a plan because it's so different and outside the norm. So yeah, you hear Kirby Smart mention there the triple option. He said multiple times this week, preparing for this Tennessee team is a little bit like preparing for that Georgia Tech team. Not so much because of the offenses specifically that they run, but because of the uniqueness and how it's not something you can really simulate, especially with a team like Georgia, just they do not play at the same pace that Tennessee does. But I'll make this sort of my closing point on why I think this game might be a little bit more lopsided than people think. This Georgia defense is still incredible. And I, I sometimes think we're just taking that for granted and, and overlooking that. And I'm, I say we as in the media and the people that discuss this game on a serious level anyway. This Georgia defense has not given up more than 13 points in a game all season. Yes, this Tennessee offense is the best team that Georgia is going to face. But knowing what we know about this Georgia defense – doesn't this seem like the kind of group that relishes this challenge that has heard so much about how potent this Tennessee offense is and how much they're going to be able to score? Don't you think these guys want to go out there and prove that, hey, cool, you score 38 points a game using sort of gimmicks and tricks and whatnot. You're not going to do this against this Georgia defense. Cool, you, you, you have a lot of chunk and explosive plays. We're going to take those away. And if you're going to want to score on us, you're going to have to do what Kentucky did. Drive the length of the field and hit on a lot of plays in consecutive nature there. And so I, I think that's something that we're forgetting here. And, and this Georgia defense, I think, is going to be ready for what Tennessee has to throw it on Saturday. And I'll say this. Tennessee's sort of been described as a home run offense. They swing for the fences. They swing for those of explosive plays. Well, what happens when you miss on a few of those big plays and they get broken up or they don't get connected? You're going three and out really quickly, and you're giving the ball back to the Georgia offense. And as we saw last week against Missouri, as we've seen time and time again this season – if this then if, if this Georgia defense gets stops early, which they've shown they've been able to do, no team has scored a touchdown in the first quarter so far this season. This Georgia offense is good enough, and can, uh, more importantly, this Tennessee defense is bad enough to where Georgia can get up early, score consistently in this game, and really, I think, make this game a potential non-factor there in Neyland. Now, obviously, you could you you wonder as this game drags on, is the crowd get into it over the course of the game, but. One nugget here on Kirby Smart. This will be the third time that he has played at Neyland Stadium up there in Knoxville. He has won by at least 23 points in both of those previous contests there. Uh, he, he knows what this Tennessee game means. He obviously, I believe he never won a game against Tennessee in his time in college, obviously overlapping uh, a little bit there with Peyton Manning and how 
his time there at Tennessee, but he knows what this game means to a lot of people and specifically this defense. And I think they see this game as an absolute statement game. And based on everything we've seen so far this season, I expect the Georgia defense to once again, do just that, make a statement against this Tennessee offense on Saturday. And, you know, while everyone is talking up Tennessee beforehand, I think we're going to be saying a week from now, "Ah, how good is that Tennessee game? Really? How good is that Tennessee team? Really? And I think that's something that we're going to see there on Saturday with how things go there. So that's our first topic here for tonight. Why the Georgia Tennessee game might not be as close as something. It is a 20 point spread after all. So I, I do think there's a good chance Georgia covers there, especially with, with the way this offense has looked in recent weeks, regardless of who the quarterback is there. Um, mentioned quarterbacks there. I expect Stetson Bennett to start. I expect JT to play. How much depends on the score. You know, do they go more to the rotation? We sort of saw earlier in the year in that South Carolina game. We'll see. Uh, JT is probably practicing better, playing, uh, you know, got his first playing time last week there against Missouri, 82 yards, a touchdown, did have an interception that didn't look all that great. But I expect Stetson to continue to be the starting team for this quarterback until he proves no longer capable of doing so. And so, you know, as opposed to giving a full-fledged quarterback update, I actually think Kirby Smart had some really interesting things to say about the wide receivers tonight. He was asked specifically about George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock. Obviously, Georgia... For the third time I mentioned tonight, they get back Jermaine Burton, they get back Arian Smith, and you just see having those type of difference makers on offense, what this does for this team. It opens up everything. It makes this passing game so much more dangerous. And sure, Missouri's defense isn't all that great, but Arian Smith has speed that can show up in games against Alabama. Um, Jermaine Burton, his ability to make plays in the ball, that will show up against elite competition. You saw last year he caught a touchdown pass in that game against Alabama. And so you wonder, well, all right, you've got those two guys back. What's sort of the latest on George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock? And Kirby Smart gave an update on them. I will play you clips that both he had to say on both Pickens and Blaylock. But I will note here, Kirby Smart said he doesn't expect Dominic Blaylock to play this week, and George Pickens is certainly not going to play this week either. So don't expect them to see this this week, but the updates on them, here's what Kirby Smart had to say about both George Pickens, and then we will follow that up with a clip on Dominic Blaylock. It'd be just like those other guys, Yarnell, Taki, uh, JT coming off his injury, uh, Dom coming off his injury. There's a, a, a process that has to happen. You don't come back from an injury and then you jump in and jump back right where you were. It's hard because you have to get – you have to get uh, uh, all the reps, the volume of reps, the work. Um, there's only so many reps to give on actual execution. So uh, Dom's been down on the scout team this week, giving a great picture. Um, George has done a little more work this week than he has in the past. We've had George at practice, catching routes on air, the things that y'all seen. But that's really been it. He's, he's done more competitive periods in terms of uh, scouts and, and looking and, and, and getting confidence and uh, able to go over and go against some DBs and things. But he's not hes not taking reps with the offense, not with the one and two offense, because we don't know when he's going to be ready, and those reps are too valuable. We can't give them to him and not have another player uh, that's going to play in the game. But when he's cleared to play in the game, he'll be able to start getting some of those reps. I, I don't know a timeline on that. I wish I did. So, yeah, still some unknowns there on George Pickens and when he, came, when he might potentially come – be coming back, but I do think we're getting closer to seeing that. Whether he gets on the field as sort of we've seen now, it, it is not a, he was hurt last week, he's clear now, he's going to play this week. It's going to take a couple of weeks for him to get up to speed, and I think if following the trajectory and the way that this sort of 
rehab and recovery process is gone. We're sort of starting to run out of runway here, so to speak, to use an analogy, a plain analogy that's often been used tonight or this season by Georgia. They're running out of runway, I think, to get George Pickens available for that SEC championship game. But it is encouraging that he's at practice. It is encouraging that he's doing a little bit more. I thought Amir Speed, as a clip I'm going to play you right here, I had some nice things to say about George. And if you're looking at this Georgia team as a team that's going to be in the college football playoff, I think you're going to see them win their final three games and, and go through a regular season undefeated. And I think there's a good chance with the way Alabama looked last week that this Georgia team could, in fact, get to the college football playoff. So, you know, that that is certainly a date I think you could expect to see George Pickens back by. And so here's sort of what Amir Speed had to say about George Pickens and sort of liking having him around, even as a scout team guy, uh, to sort of help this Georgia defense get looks. George, it's, it's, it's good having George back. You know, he had to deal with his, his fair share of what he had going on with his injuries, but he's definitely worked his way back in. And I, 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 like I've always said, I love guarding George. He, he's, he gets you better, truly gets you better. Like, that's a, he's a freak of an athlete. So having him back out there, it's been, it's been good and it's been making us better. So, yeah, and that sort of reiterates the point that Kirby Smart had there about scout team-wide receivers and where things are at as far as the, at that position there. Moving to Dominic Blaylock a little bit, he seems farther along and more likely to come back and play in the short term before that SEC championship game, I would expect. And while Kirby Smart said he's not playing this week, what we hear about what Blaylock is doing on the scout team, he made his first appearance there last week. He's doing a little bit more there this week. He is gaining confidence in that knee and in that hamstring once again. He's playing and practicing without a brace. It's been over 23 months since Dominic Blaylock played a football game. The 2000 19 SEC championship game on December 7th against LSU. It was the last time Dominic Blaylock was on a football field and able to play in one and play in a, in a college football game. And that's a long time. And he's had multiple injuries since then. And so I asked Kirby smart tonight, you know, physically we understand he's getting closer to coming back on the field and whether or not he might play, but mentally, where is he at? Just given all that he has had to work through and overcome and deal with, in that near two years since he last played a competitive football game. And, and I'll, I'll say this as someone who is uh, as big a Dominic Blaylock fan as anyone. It's a tough road when you have multiple injuries that he has suffered that have kept him out for as long as he has been out. And so I just wanted to really kind of know where is Dominic Blaylock in terms of a mental space, in terms of becoming that player that he was before that SEC championship game injury? Because I, I, I you can go back and find the clips. People are in high as him, maybe not as George Pickens, but as close to that as, as any Georgia wide receiver Kirby Smart has had. And so I, I thought Kirby gave a really interesting answer, an encouraging answer on Dominic Blaylock. Even if it doesn't look like he's going to play this weekend, I would say with some confidence, I think there's a good chance that Dominic Blaylock is a contributor to this Georgia team at some point, Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech, SEC championship game, college football playoff. I feel pretty confident that we're going to see something from Dominic Blaylock this season. So here's what Kirby Smart had to say about Dominic Blaylock and really his mental state and where things stand with him. Yeah, he's probably not going to play this week. I'm not saying that, guys. He's not uh, He's not working with the – he's working against us. So that's, that's a different deal. Um, but he is much closer, and he's looked he's looked good taking some reps uh, against us as he, he kind of works his way back. I think his, his mental disposition has been great. Uh, I can't say that – uh, it hasn't been hard on him from a standpoint of confidence without the brace, uh, you know, frustration from the hamstring re-injury, but I, I can't. I mean, the, the kid is a warrior. I mean, he just – he goes out, competes. Uh, he listens in meetings. Uh, he's a leader, and uh, he's done a great job. So, yeah, I thought Kirby had a really encouraging update there on Dom. 
Dominic, and again, I'll reiterate the point I made before that clip. I think we see Dominic Black at some point this year. Whether or not he looks like a Jermaine Burton or a Kyrus Jackson, I don't know. I think the encouraging thing, though, with this Georgia wide receiver room, especially with Burton and Smith getting healthy and more importantly now staying healthy, this group of pass catchers looks to be really dangerous and potentially a difference maker against elite teams. And they've got to go out there and obviously show that. But from where they were earlier in the season, specifically that Auburn game when they were down real bad at that wide receiver position, consider the arsenal they have now. Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, two guys that can absolutely take the top off the defense. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, who made a really impressive catch to prevent an interception this past week against Missouri. You have Brock Bowers, who's still one of the best tight ends in the country in, in creating mismatches. You have Darnell Washington, who was also a monster in the receiving game there as well. And then you have Lad McConkey and Adonai Mitchell, guys who have been consistent options for you. Though I would point out Adonai did have some drops this past week, and I'll be interested to see how he responds going forward. But you have now probably five or six guys that you feel comfortable throwing the football to along with Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens potentially. Not to mention what you have in James Cook and Kenny McIntosh as patch catchers coming out of the backfield there. So this Georgia passing game, as the quarterback situation continues to draw eyes and get more interesting, I think the receiver weapons that Georgia has going forward might make it so that they're really able to make either Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels good enough, great enough, to win a national title, national championship, because it hasn't certainly looked like this at all this year. But I think this wide receiver position specifically, when you factor in what you get from the tight ends and the running backs, is looking more and more like a national championship caliber wide receiver room. And so I think that's a really important thing for this Georgia team. and something to watch going forward, especially against this Tennessee team. I think teams, as Missouri showed, they want to show out and stop the run because if Georgia's just going to run the ball all over you, like you sort of saw against Arkansas, you saw against Kentucky, if they're going to do that, there's just no point in even playing. You have to try and make Stetson Bennett beat you through the air. You have to make JT Daniels beat you through the air. And so if you have a wide receiver room that makes that doing that job easier – beating Georgia becomes a lot more difficult. So that's sort of our wide receiver update for the week. Moving on to our third and final topic here before opening it up to you guys and questions you might have. Uh, previewing the college football playoff, 9 o'clock tonight, Tuesday, November 9th. We are expected to learn the latest college football playoff rankings. Georgia is still going to be number one. They dominated Missouri last week. They were running really the only teams in the top 25 or at least in the top eight of the national title contenders go out and really dominate their competition and look like a college football playoff worthy team. Alabama, who I expect to be number two, 20 to 14 win over LSU. They only had six yards rushing that game. They lose their starting center. It's going to be really interesting how this Alabama team responds. And I would note, you know, I still expect them to be the team Georgia sees in Atlanta on December 4th in the SEC championship game. They're, Last two games of the season are against SEC foes. A home game against Arkansas at Auburn. So then that game against Georgia, that's their third straight SEC game. And that's a tough that that toll sort of starts to add up and I think get to you. Now obviously Alabama has the depth and physicality to adjust to that, but I think that is a factor, especially when you consider Georgia's two opponents before that game, Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. And so I think that is going to be something that maybe gives Georgia a little bit of an edge. They should be fresher in that game. They should not have the physical wear and tear on their team that Alabama enters that game with. And so I think that's going to be something to monitor as well. I think Oregon's going to be your new number three. They beat Washington 26 to 16. And I know that score might not be that impressive, but if you, if you dig a little deeper there, that was a really dominant win. I think for this Oregon program on the road there, Ohio state played around with its food against Nebraska needed a late field goal to make that a not one score game. 
I still have some real questions about this Ohio State team. And every week that sort of goes by that sees them follow the same script where, yeah, they gain a ton of yards, but they struggle with red zone execution. And this defense, I still have major questions and concerns, especially, uh, you know, Oregon is the best offense they have seen so far. And I think Georgia has a better offense than that Oregon team does. So, you know, the concerns with this Ohio State team are dissipating each and every week. I think uh, Oklahoma is still probably going to be your number seven team. But I think if they get a win this week against Baylor, that's going to allow them to propel past Cincinnati. You know, obviously, I think the Cincinnati team is a good team, but at a certain point, it becomes hard to defend them when they continue to find themselves in these close games against inferior AAC competition. And you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma are sort of st- still sort of getting the same thing, but eventually those programs are going to have the wins to leapfrog Cincinnati. And while I still believe Cincinnati you know, is a top-four team in the country, the college football playoff committee will not put them in the college football playoff. You had that from me right now. I believe that is what is going to happen. I believe there is too much at stake for these power five programs, and they are going to continue to find a way to cut out Cincinnati and those group of five programs. As long as the college football playoff is a four team version of it, which it is will be for at least the next two years now. I don't think you're going to see a group of five team in there, even though the Cincinnati team potentially has as good a resume as any group of five team has ever had. And then Michigan state drops back Michigan, Michigan state are going to be interesting. Uh, Michigan plays at Penn state this week. That's going to be an interesting game for them. Michigan state still has Ohio state and Penn state on its schedule. I think both of those teams, if they're able to win out are both college football playoff teams potentially. And so that'll sort of be interesting to follow there as well. And then Oklahoma, they play Baylor this week. They got their their next three games are their biggest three games of the season uh, at Baylor, home Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma State there, and then potentially Oklahoma State again in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, this team really has to show me something. This Baylor team, I think, is going to give them a test. They play physical brand of football under Dave Aranda that is going to make at least Oklahoma have to work for it. Oklahoma is still the more talented team, and I they should win this game, but this was also a team that shouldn't have struggled with Kansas and found a way to, to trail going into halftime there. So... I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Wake Forest is done. Uh, the loss last week to North Carolina, I think, knocks them out. So really, right now, you are looking at doing the math off the top of my head. I think eight teams that still have a real college football playoff potential. You know, Notre Dame, I, I, I have them cut off there. They're the number nine team. Uh, you know, I think they're a good team. Unfortunately, their schedule this year just did not really set up the opportunities for them to get into the college football playoff. You know, they'll have wins over Wisconsin and Purdue, which are, I think, nice wins. They'll, they'll look better at the end of the season, but the only real clear top 15 they played this year was Cincinnati. They played them at home and they lost by 11. And so I think that's what's going to keep them out. But that's sort of the line of demarcation there now. The eight college football playoff contenders, Georgia, let me move my hand on screen, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, though I'm very close to eliminating Cincinnati at this rate, Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Michigan. I think those are the eight teams that have a chance of getting into the college football playoff this year. I think Georgia is better than all those seven teams. Uh, If I had to pick a team among there that might make Georgia sweat a little bit, I actually might go. I mean, obviously, like the Alabama is Alabama and how that goes. The Michigan team is interesting, and I would also include, I'd throw Texas A&M here as well, because while the two losses I think are going to end up keeping them out, they play a style of football that is able to muck it up and make it a close game. The only the only close game Georgia has had this year was against Clemson, where that defense kept Georgia in check, they mucked it up, and it came down to Georgia making a, a long drive in the fourth quarter, and Clemson couldn't score. 
I, I think, and there's still a very real chance that Texas A&M and Georgia play in the SEC championship game. If, if Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl, that would mean that you're going to see, I believe, Texas A&M and Georgia in the SEC championship game that weekend, that next weekend. And that Texas A&M defense is good enough to, to make life difficult for Georgia. Obviously, I don't trust their offense, uh, and I think it would play out similarly to Clemson, but if a couple balls bounce differently uh, in that Texas A&M game, theoretically, I think A&M has the style to sort of make Georgia sweat there. And conversely, I, I think of those playoff teams, I think Michigan is the team that is potentially closest to being able to replicate that. I don't think Oregon has necessarily the talent to do so uh, over the course of four quarters in the way that Michigan does Um even though Oregon has obviously recruited well, I just trust Michigan a little bit more, which is surprising given they blew that game against Michigan State. But, you know, ball bounces differently in that game. I think that Michigan team is a very serious college football playoff contender. And I would actually probably, in terms of how they look throughout the course of the season, considering both have losses, I think Michigan's been a more impressive team than, than Ohio State this season. So we'll sort of see how things go there. All right, we've gone about 30 minutes now. We've got about another 30 minutes until the college football playoff rankings go out. So let's open it up for your guys' questions, thoughts, comments. I'm sure it's a madhouse. I'm sure someone has taken offense to something that I have said here, but we were going to scroll and find out what you guys have to say. Let's open it up to questions and comments. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so Barry Anderson, this is, this is a good point, though. I don't necessarily know if you need all caps. Uh, I think Georgia does have two good quarterbacks. Uh, and this defense, I think we have to now start seriously considering what if this defense is elite enough as LSU's offense was in 2019 and Alabama's was last year to carry them to a national title. Obviously, we're, we're still going to sort of see how things go and play out over the course of the regular season there. But Georgia clearly has an elite unit on the defensive side of the ball there. And I think it's fair to wonder if this defense is single-handedly good enough to carry Georgia to a national title. And this offense has scored points. They're scoring 38 points a game. I believe it is the most Georgia has scored under Kirby Smart in his time here as a head coach. So even with the questions that exist about Stetson Bennett, this offense is still doing a lot and scoring a lot of points. Uh, Travis McCullough, you can make the say you could swap out Michigan and, and Georgia for and Ohio State and Alabama. It's the same question. Michigan does get Ohio State at home this year. If there ever a year it were going to happen, I feel like it have to be this year with the questions that Ohio State has on defense, the way this Michigan offense matches up. Now Michigan State did score thirty seven points on them in that game, uh, and Michigan's going to have to not turn the ball over there. But uh, if if there's ever a year it's going to happen, I feel like this has to be the year for Michigan. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eric Emmerich, chance of Jordan Davis, ooh, excuse me, winning the Heisman, zero. Um, ooh, what was that? Nope, nope, nope. Sorry, I hit an old Kirby clip. Um, yeah, so I don't think Jordan Davis is going to win the Heisman. Uh, I've never believed that. However, as him potentially uh, getting to New York, I do think there's a good chance we see that. But he just doesn't put up the stats. And actually, if you look at a guy like Will Anderson, who's doing the sort of statistical work needed to get not only get to New York, but I think potentially win the Heisman. Now, obviously, Alabama's going to have to beat Georgia, I think, for Anderson to do that. But with the way things have gone, I just I, I don't think Davis is going to be able to win it unless, you know, no other quarterback really emerges and unless Kenneth Walker sort of really falls off here along the stretch. And Jordan Davis starts making those big highlight plays. But I give it. I I think there's a zero percent chance Jordan Davis wins the Heisman. I do, however, think he he should go to New York and be represented there. 
Uh, if Nicobe Dean, I would, you know, I, I think some of the best players in football this year fall on that defensive side of the football. If I'm filling out my theoretical Heisman ballot, I probably go Kenneth Walker for Michigan State number one. I go Will Anderson for Alabama number two. I go Jordan Davis number three, and I would go Nicobe Dean number four. That's sort of my top four there, and then I would go Kenny Pickett of Pitt number five in terms of what they've been able to do offensively this season. So, although maybe, you know, Sam Howell or uh, Sam Hartman, excuse me, Wake Forest deserves some credit there as well, but I would not have a quarterback in my top four at this point in time. I know people want to shoehorn Bryce Young in there, but I feel like Will Anderson does a lot more for that Alabama team than Bryce Young does. Uh, let's see comments, questions. Yeah. So uh, Bill Kelly, this is a good one. Uh, Jay, uh, do we see a Jordan Davis touchdown this week? I wrote about it this morning. Uh, Georgia's goal line issues. And it seems like when they put Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter in there, they just have a simpler time executing, just given those guys are so good athletically and so big that makes, once you get in that goal line situation, it just makes opening things up. Either. And I will actually know, I think Jalen Carter is an outrageously good fullback in terms of finding the hole and hitting the guys he's supposed to block. But when you put Darnell Washington, Jordan Davis, and then you have uh, Jalen Carter sort of leading the way there on that side of the line, that's just a ton of beef. And there aren't very many teams that have the guys physically that are able to match up with those guys. So I think it'd be cool to see Jordan Davis get a touchdown. You probably have to see it catching hit touchdown because they do play him on the line as a tight end there. But I think that'd be a really cool moment. I'd actually, I would note though, I'd love to see it happen at home more so than on the road in Tennessee, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. Um, I, this question for uh, not uh, this comment from Wayne, I actually think Todd Munkin does deserve a lot of credit here. I don't necessarily agree with Todd Munkin telling him to leave Stetson in there, but Todd Munkin has done a great job building a great offense around both Stetson and JT into where it hasn't really mattered who has been quarterback back there. He's been able to put Bennett and Daniels in offenses that accentuate their skill sets and do the most to help them out. And I think Todd Munkin deserves a lot of credit there. Uh, I see Gabriel Morgan. Nothing new on Adam Anderson. That investigation is still ongoing. Uh, you will know when there are updates on that, but there is not much that has been said there. Uh, Clarence Dawson. Uh, prediction versus Tennessee versus Georgia. I will go I will go Georgia 47. I think you see them kick some field goals in this game, unfortunately. Uh, 48. I, I'll say Georgia 48. Tennessee 17. Uh, I, I, I think this Georgia defense is going to come and, and show what they're able to do. Uh, let's see. Uh, M. Munson, or Munson uh, 221, uh, asking about Chris Smith. Uh, he's been fine. He played last week. That shoulder injury is not holding him back. Uh, Mary Martin Corbin. So we did get to hear from Dan Jackson tonight. He has not yet been put on scholarship, but I expect that to happen after this season. And I think that's what we're going to see from him. Kirby Smart loves what he brings to the table, at least as a special teams guy. And he's a guy who nearly recovered a touchdown. He had a blocked punt earlier this year against Arkansas. So I, Dan Jackson, while he is not yet on a scholarship, the intent is that he will. Uh, let's see. Questions, comments, thoughts. I did score prediction. Uh, Kelly Cole. Uh, so if Dan Lanning's going to leave, it's going to be before the college football playoff. 
I'll be interested to see what jobs come open because I think that's really going to determine where Lanning goes because he's clearly, I think, a better candidate than some of those Sunbelt Conference USA jobs, uh, lower-tier AAC jobs. And I think he's capable of getting a higher-tier AAC job or even potentially an AAC job should the right one come open for him. But I think that's sort of the thing to watch there. As far as a replacement, uh, there are two candidates. It's either going to be Glenn Schumann, who I think that's who it should be. He's the current co-defensive coordinator. He has been a... Inside linebackers coach for Georgia for six years now. I think he is ready for it. Uh, I he is I I believe one of the best assistant coaches in the country and actually does play a big job in what Georgia does defensively right now. And if for some reason it is not Glenn Schumann, whether he chooses to go somewhere else or whatnot, I expect I would think Will Muschamp would get a long look at Georgia for that position. Uh, Kirby's visor. Yes, I will. I will agree with this. The Kobe Dean absolutely should win the buckets. I think he is clearing away the best linebacker. I actually think he's a better player than Jordan Davis, even though I understand Jordan's impact there. Uh, just if you're a football fan and obviously you want to watch the ball and see what's going on on a play to play basis, just watch Nakobe on a play. Just focus on Nakobe and watch what he does and watch him attack the ball carrier or the, or the receiver that he is picking out in coverage. He moves so quickly and so efficiently. It, it is really a lot of fun to watch, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And I absolutely think he is the best linebacker in the country. And I understand if you want to call him a linebacker, okay, he's more of an edge rusher. Uh, but Nicobe Dean is, is is a special player, and I have enjoyed getting to watch him. And you know, the Roquan comparison because of the way this Georgia defense set up, he he might not be as quote unquote impactful as Roquan, but in terms of being a pure football player, I think he is every bit as good as Roquan was for that 2017 team. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so Stacey Carter, this is a good point as well. Uh, th- this Tennessee defense gave up 42 points to a Kentucky offense that we know is not very good. And this Georgia offense, I do think is pretty good, even if Tennessee just shells out and says, hey, you're not running the ball like Missouri was able to do last week. So I think because of that, you're going to see Georgia have a pretty good time scoring points against this team. Let's see. Uh, Questions? Uh, Michael Clayton, Brock Vandergriff was never going to play this year with, with, with JT Daniels coming back in. In an ideal world for Oklahoma, Caleb Williams probably doesn't see the field this year for Oklahoma. They probably have Spencer Rattler there playing really well, doing what Williams is doing now. And then a year from now, Rattler would declare for the draft and then Williams would be the guy there next year. So I don't put anything into that. I don't think Brock ever really expected to play this first year once it was announced that JT Daniels is coming back. I would expect to see him get on the field, maybe throw a few passes there in the Charleston Southern game, potentially a Georgia Tech game as well. But I know Georgia wants to redshirt him, and I expect them to do that. However, I will note, uh, you know, all this talk about Stetson and his running ability, I think that bodes well for what Georgia wants to do going forward in their offense, and for him in particular. I think he's an incredible athlete. I think he's a better athlete than Carson Beck, and I expect Georgia to really use that in how they go about employing him as their quarterback going forward. Um, Barry Anderson, uh, Kendall, I would not expect to see Kendall Milton back this week. I think they're going to be cautious there in that approach with that MCL injury. You might maybe see him back before the end of this season, a full month after that MCL injury, but I think they're going to be, uh, where things go there. Mitch Davis. So, uh, pods inconsistency. Uh, I believe he's missed five kicks all year. And with the exception of the extra point, I believe all of the kicks that he has missed have been his first kicks of the game. I know in Clemson it was, 
I know against Florida it was. And I believe the one kick he missed against Arkansas maybe was his first field goal attempt of the game there. But after that, he calms down. So I don't think Cochran has anything to do with it simply because, and it's been the same with Will Muschamp, those guys don't really, and Kirby Smart has said as much, don't really have much involvement with the kicking game and, and what they do and how they how they go about doing it there. Dave Rill, do I think Jamari plays this Saturday? I don't. Uh, Kirby Smart said he is progressing and getting healthier and was able to play, put some weight on that foot and, and practice with it. But I think they're going to be cautious, and I think they want to see what they have both in Broderick Jones and the rest of this offensive line. And, and, so that, and, and obviously, you shouldn't need Jamari Sawyer out there to beat Tennessee. You shouldn't need him out there to beat Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. You need Jamari to be 100% against Alabama, against potentially Texas A&M in that SEC championship game. And so if you can give Jamari an extra week or two to get healthy on that foot injury, I think that's what we'll see. Uh, not going to answer any transfer portal questions there. Um, seems a little too soon to discuss anything like that. Um... Let's see. Scroll. I'll scroll to the end here. Um. Uh, this is a good question from Garrett. I do think they like each other. I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, I think you can tell which coaches Kirby likes and does not like. I don't think he likes Gus Malzahn. I don't think he likes Dan Mullen. Um, I, I think that that's pretty obvious. You know what kind of coaches uh, he has a real respect for, and I think Saban is absolutely one of them there. Uh, let's see. Questions, comments, we may wrap this up here soon. Um, let's see. Scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, Darren, I, I would say I, I I like Georgia to cover this week. Just just given the state of this Tennessee offense or defense rather, and how well I think Georgia is playing. Uh Scotty Grope, I do think it's still gonna be Alabama until you know it's sort of the Michael Myers thing. Sure, this Alabama team looks vulnerable. Certainly they're not as good as they were a season ago. But until they are dead in the dirt, 100% not in this SEC championship game, until I see Texas A&M on the field, uh, I expect to see Alabama in the SEC championship game. I think that is who Georgia is going to play. As it has gone this season, I think Georgia is going to be favored in that game. I think they should be favored in that game. And Georgia is going to have to conquer some demons in beating this Alabama team. The three times that Georgia has played them under Kirby Smart, they have scored zero fourth quarter points that has to change or you know the only reason it wouldn't change is if georgia is blowing out alabama early but i'd be i think a lot of people would be surprised even the way this season has gone if that ends up uh being the case let's see scrolling um let's see We'll do one more. Um, Eric, so it's going to be interesting because uh, that game is at home, and Bo Nix, as we know, usually plays a little bit better at home than he does on the road. I think they've got a chance to win. You know, they still that defense played Texas A&M pretty well, and A&M did not have an offensive touchdown in that game. It's just really going to be on Bo Nix. Can he make those plays? You saw he was able to do so against Ole Miss. Wasn't really able to do it against Georgia or A&M, and it's really going to come down to how well he plays in that game. Let's see. There's one more question. We'll answer it. One more good, great question. I want great questions out here. Um, let's see. 
Um, you know, we might we might wrap it up. Uh, I see a lot of JT, a lot of Stetson stuff, and we sort of are where we are at that point in the year with that. So with that, uh, I'm going to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We have Jeff Sintel tomorrow night. He is certainly going to preview the upcoming uh, commitment decision of four-star cornerback Julian Humphrey. We have cover four on Thursday night. Those are always entertaining. I'm sure Mike and BA are going to get into it once again. You've got uh, Dog Nation Daily every Monday through Friday. Stay tuned there because we're going to have an announcement on our sort of plans for the SEC championship game and what those might look like. And then obviously on the beat with Mike every Monday night. Georgia plays Tennessee 3.30 p.m. Eastern this Saturday on CBS. I expect Georgia to win. I, I actually think this game might not be as close as others seem to think. Um, for reasons being, I think this Tennessee defense is really going to struggle. And I, for what it's worth, I think this Georgia defense wants to go out there and show that, hey, people think we're going to be tested. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. So that'll be it for here at us tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name is Connor Riley. We do this every Tuesday night, Connor and coverage. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you when we see you.